0: You're listening to Earth Matters, produced in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne on the Cooler Nation and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. We're bringing you environmental and social justice stories. I'm Corey Green. A couple of weeks ago, I was listening to Uncle Robbie Thorpe talk to Bo Spearman about the connections between ecocide and genocide, and I thought it was an issue worth exploring further. To start off with, I'll share the clip with you.
1: I've got a very special guest in the studio sitting right across from me. Barry Spearham from Warriors for Aboriginal Resistance. Yeah, I'm Arunk. How are you going? Good, brother. Deadly to come in. And um, you've been down in town
2: for a couple of weeks now? Oh, I got down last, last week, Thursday. So. Last week, yeah. Um, and I'm here for another week. Um, and I was in Sydney for like two weeks, and then I was up home um, in Moree and around the Pilliga and the Land Forest uh, like for about a week as well. Um Cause a lot of mining activity going on up there. I, um, I notice. Is that your father up there involved in the lead forest? Or? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That, um, Dad's been locking on, locking on um, oh. in various places up in the Groy nation uh, to prevent uh, any kind of sort of mining going on. I'm on country, so um, my fam, like me, me brothers and and that there, um, uh, you know, come down to help him out. You know, in, 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 in any way, they've had some success there, haven't they? They've had some wins, but I don't think they've stopped the uh, war going on there. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, like I think, um, you know, when you know when they lock on, you know, it, it prevents their work for a few hours. Yes. But in saying that, there, you know, like there's a you know a couple of hundred thousand, almost close to a few million, you know dollars that you know that they that they don't make and that they lose as well when um you know, when mob lock on. Yes. Yeah. and
1: also when we close their cities down it's it's yeah. there's economic reasons why they're very angry about that but well, that's what needs to happen and uh, i see the threat of um you know these outrageous fines they're talking about uh something like 7 years jail for for stopping the destruction of your own culture you know we've yeah. got to test those sort of cases out and you know check them out you know it, as far as i'm concerned this country's a a crime scene to begin with. Mm-hmm. There's nothing mm-hmm. that we can do can be considered a crime in the in the in the context of that. So step up, folks. Let's test these these bullshitters out. You know, it's it's a gammon <laughs> law that we know. It's based on lies and deceit, fraud, propaganda, and race hatred indoctrination. This is what the country's built from. Yep. So we got to step up. And I'm going to pay my respects to all those non-Aboriginal people standing there stepping up trying to protect the land and yes. standing with our mob, too, so I just want to pay my respects. And that's what it's going to take, folks. We need your support. And it's in your interest. Land rights is in everyone's interest. We're just the caretakers and the custodians for our future
2: generation. If you
1: don't think that's important, well,
2: then we going to take <laughs> <it. laughs> That's it, eh? And, and like, just another thing to mention, you know, on, you know, like the, the new anti-protest laws against mining that they brought out. Um, like you said, seven, possibly seven, up to seven years uh, jail, and from five hundred and fifty to five thousand uh, dollars in fines, um, and that's you know if you're causing disruption uh, to any businesses, um, you know that are you know b- any businesses and corporations uh, that are making money. Is it possible? And, what- sorry, sorry, no. God, no and and also, so like if, if 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 you're in the city in Sydney. Um, and, you're, and you know, you're doing the exact same thing to one of these mining companies, you, know, you could still be slapped with um, uh, that fine. So it's not just specifically for the country no, yeah. outside of the city. Yes, yes, so in a city as well.
1: If you stand in the way of these national mining companies, you're seeing, mm-hmm. you feel the wrath of those mobs. And yes. you know, as you know, they control the governments in these countries. So they actually uh, the, the so-called, uh, well, they're... Inverted commas, the authorities around here, they're yeah. the ones dictating the terms. So it's it's pretty full on, but I'm just wondering whether the Indigenous nations should slap a writ and a damages bill on all these mining companies mm-hmm. as a, you know, we should be doing that. They're damaging our land, our culture, they're doing harm to our people. Why can't we hit them up for damages bill and, you know, undermining our development? and all those sorts of things. So that should be an exercise for all our black nations to sue all these multinationals and all these so-called governments on our land. And so that may counter what they're trying to do and undermine uh, their their so-called authority here. They're not the authority folks. They're invaders and, and they're criminals. And criminals don't really get a say. They get dealt with by the law. That's what the problem in this country is. There's no law governing this lawless regime we call Australia, folks. But uh, we're going to step up and, I, and we expect yes. know a lot of the non average people to stand up with us because that's what it's all about. That's what our land rights struggle is all about, folks. You, know, you might have noticed there wasn't no fences in this country before you were in peace and there was no prisons and none of that crap. It's not what we're about, folks. So it's in, it's in your interest to stand with us now. I think we understand what the issues are. and And, and what the uh, the parallel between genocide and ecocide is, folks. And, mm. and you mightn't give a damn about it, genocide, we know that, but I think ecocide's going to shift mm. the playing field a bit. So Great. we're all involved here, folks. And it's what land rights struggle's always been about. Stand with us now. We need to do it now. Totally.
0: You're listening to Earth Matters, bringing you environmental and social justice stories. I'm Corey Green. That was Uncle Robbie Thorpe talking to Bo Spearham about the connection between ecocide and genocide, and that's what we're talking about on today's show. Next up, I interview Clinton Pryor, who's been standing at the raw edge of Australia's modern genocide. Last year in Western Australia, the government started forcing Aboriginal people off of their homelands' communities. In response, the Matagarrar refugee camp was established as a protest and to house those who no longer had a home. Clinton tells us more and talks about the connection between this genocide and the environmental destruction that's happening in Western Australia. Thanks for appearing on the show. Can you please introduce yourself?
3: Hello, my name is uh, Clinton Fire. I am from Firth, from the Madagarp refugee camp.
0: Can you tell us why Madagarp was set up?
3: At the beginning of um, March, year. You know, the government of, uh, uh, in Canberra, in and, and of the Tony Abbott, and Tony Abbott was Prime Minister, um, decided to, uh, topic uh funding on, um, indigenous communities with, uh, across the, uh, the country. And, um, because over here you know, in, in Western Australia here, we, uh, we are in debt about Forty billion dollars in debt because of the, um, because of all the stuff that uh, Barnett got it, Barnett got all the stuff built around the city here, and uh, because we were forty billion dollars in debt, the government Barnett here did not want to um, fund Indigenous communities and trying to pay back off pay back his debt by uh, cutting by closing 180 communities down within last, at the beginning of last, within the next three years, and we decided, as Indigenous people of West Australia, decided, since the southwest here, I decided to build a Madagascar refugee camp as a state-paid support for uh, people that were going to lose their communities up north, that were, uh, Barnett was going to close as a support. For them to come for safety if they had no homes and no communities, the um, government was closing them down because um, the federal funding was, was cut back from funding communities. And uh, because of the Western Australia, could not fund it by themselves without the support of federal government. So they decided they wanted to close 180 communities, and that's why we stand up in the Madagascar refugee. Uh, camp as a safe haven spot for our people.
0: And do you think the only reason they were closing down the homelands community was the money?
3: Um I think to myself that uh, it's got a lot to do with mining behind them. A lot of mining because the thing is Tony Abbott when he was Prime Minister and you know, why, why would he put the us is as, as Australian, into the Southern Pacific trade agreement that allow foreign co- company, mining companies to come here and buy land up. Mm. And that's why I think that it's got to do with that because if you know yourself that foreign countries, mining companies can buy your land up, that you sign an agreement with, a, a trade agreement with, and on um, top pay the country money for, uh, you know by, uh, re- by paying us uh, resources to mine this land, but on top we know ourselves that the government pays companies, mining companies themselves to come here, and then the government pays for them to come here and mine and this land, and, and also rip off the indigenous people in Australia with royalty, buddy in hey. Australia we all know ourselves that Australia is full of um, of resources to the max like the mine oh, oh you've got a lot of gold here you've got a lot of oil here you got you know you name it every resources you've got on on Australian earth we have the most resources on the planet in, in Australia and it's sad sometimes why um, people allow gr- uh, money and greed to get the better of them and just don't realise that the what they could be doing, hurting other people.
0: So can you tell us also about the $1.3 billion Native title deal?
3: In 2000... in Before 2008, uh, the... Our people um, was at the prevention that, you was know, from here in the South, by getting paperwork and records and... and um, he had to build up a case to prove that uh, we was from here in the south west. The same thing um, Eddie Mabo, uh, Torres Strait Islander, um, native title thing. What he had to do to fight for native title that opened up a door for all Indigenous people. That it changed it changed the system around it to to, to uh, uh, allow and show the government that Indigenous people threat. So, in 2008, we we won our native title um, in 2008 in here in the South West. About, uh, i say about four, four years later, the Barnett government uh, approached uh, a group of people called SWALF. SWALF is, uh, is a native title um organization group that's got all our elders in there that represent supposed to be representing all uh, South West indigenous people in the South West. Also swalsh South West Land Sea Council group is uh, government funded, so they're actually owned by the government because the government fund them in in a way that with when we won our made a trial in two thousand and eight, then they had a South West Link and Sea Council had a new CEO named Glenn Kelly and, uh, came through and it was all planned out that the fact that the government was planning out a way to, um try and get rid of our native title here in the southwestern territory down to, um Albany and also from Geraldton down to Albany there and the, so the government comes to, um to, I approach the Indigenous people here in the South and offer them, after uh, you give up a, your native title, we'll give you uh, $1.3 billion for it, and also on top, we'll give you uh, a bit of land back that so you can own and have. So what it is that they'll give us land back that they don't, the government don't want and don't want, and it's got nothing there. We call it dead land in a way that... We call our land, some lands dead is land because there's no nothing there. And um, and the thing is, is that uh, when the government um, approached our people, mm-hmm. they were making these meetings um, and agreements behind closed doors without um, um, consent, uh, notifying other Indigenous elders and our own pe- people. But in 2008, you had all these... You had the... Um, the 10MC mob was set up back then, that's what when uh, the 10MC uh, was set up, and you had uh, all these uh, Nungahs in Australia set up tents and they were protesting because we knew ourselves we didn't want $1.3 billion and, and land to be given to us that we called dead land, and on top of them we know that the land itself is more important than money, but the saddest thing these days had you got so you got our own people with greed for money these days and allow money and greed to get the better of them. And it's sad in a way because somebody else is one of the buddies. is because you know, they think this is the right thing to do for, for the future generation. They make money also to uh, need the money to, for scholarship schools and, you know, to allow... To pay for scholarships, you know, pay for their scholarships to go to school. Um, also, drop them in funding for building houses, like buying them a house. But the thing is, um, yeah, they're only going to be thinking about uh, how many houses? About at least 150 houses, I think, that they, they, they the dream was. There's about 150 houses that get to build as well. And there's 40,000 mungas here in the South Red, right? and you're not going to have. Forty thousand Indigenous people in one hundred fifty houses. That's not. That's not right.
0: And so, what do you think of are the environmental consequences of both of these deals—the Homeland's one and the Native Title one? If we lose our
3: Native Title, and if the government takes control of the land in the southwest, we got to look at a. you're gonna see the land getting more sicker and environmental um, problems like you know if, if they want to gas and coal and gold and you know they're gonna stay more on the land more. It's gonna poison the southwest land, throw away, So to the the rivers and the environment by you know knocking down trees and destroying um. Habitats where animals have, you know, habitation of, uh, you know, um, uh, when it's, uh, you know, surfing season or something in, 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 yeah. I think it's, uh, in spring In that, you know, when, when animals have it in. If you lose our nation, It would be a disaster in a way that it will hurt our people because we are not the owners of this land anymore in the southwest and on top it will upset the future generations in a way that why would um, our elders in this time of age back then sold the land just only for one point three billion dollars when we know that the land is more worth, worth more important and worth more than just one point three billion. And we've been here for um for sixty thousand years since the dream time starts. That's when the the ancient ones and I ancestors, the ancient spirit and that came down to um the earth and created everything, created the rivers and mountains, the hills, and this, uh, the animals and us guys, and created the land. And what they left, they left their essence for people to honor uh, oh their essence, but they left behind, I and mean, that's what we call sacred sites. And the thing is, is that it's actually Shadabi's sacred sites, and living doing for fifty thousand years, I do not know why now. For fifty thousand years, we've been guarding sacred sites and honoring our um, our spirits and God in our cultural beliefs. Mm-hmm. and give it up now, just for one point three billion. This is this this world these days. It's it confusing our our people. This way of life is confusing our people in a way of living differently, not living like having just lived. 228 years ago then we was living that that proper uh, off that land in our own cultural way, speak our own language, know how the land um and, and how we can survive off the land. but now these days it's, it's a bit different now where we live in a in western way of life so if we sell our land to one point it's not just that it's gonna lean up the owners of the land anymore. No this it is also on top, um, it's gonna to make it hard for us to protect sacred sites, cave paintings, you know, old older arcade art cave paintings or uh oh, sorry, song lines. Song lines is like connections of sacred sites that connect you to the next sacred site, uh could be destroyed uh on top of that. We don't uh some of the artworks or time stories that that they tell when they used to tell stories about the dream time in K-paintings, um, that will be lost if it, if it gets destroyed. And it will make us lose a bit of our culture, a bit of our culture in a way that we will lose a bit of a sacred science, we will lose song lines and also on top we will lose a couple of dream time stories because you might well mother well say we won't lose a little bit, you might well say we it will be the end of our culture. Mm. And it will be hard for us to teach our young generation about the land, the dream time, sacred sites, uh, how the land was created back in the dream time. And it, and that's why, in my heart, I I think that uh, we don't need this $1.3 billion because the government's, done, if government's just saying, oh, we'll cut back on funding uh cut uh funding to um uh, um communities and uh for have a reason on have originals to go to school in that we might just well say um if these guys are the owners of the land and it costs us they got the resources it's gonna make us if we try and mine the land and it's our worst we're gonna pay them resources and we don't want that. We don't want to pay them royalty. We might as well try to get them to give up their land and so we can get the royalty and let them rely on $1.3 billion that's only going to last us for these 12 years. And then after that, it's finished, and then you got nothing. Then we're completely screened, in a way. So that's why I would prefer that I'd rather keep the land, to protect the land, because I'd rather, I'd rather keep, um, keep our culture alive, to uh, uh, show kids, the young generation songlines, um, art painting, uh, green time art painting that's how um, it's, Tells the story how the land was created, um, sacred sites, uh, and how the land look after the environment, and how to survive off the land. I think that's more important than just
0: what dollars. So, what's been happening? Um, what's been happening lately at Mat- Matagarrop?
3: Well, at the moment at Matagarrop, we've been we've been raided nonstop, non nonstop by the city of Perth. And the thing is, is that we decided to give it, a, give it a rest. Um, uh, Maddigap, we had a rest from Maddigap, is because we're waiting from our elders and that to let us know when it's okay to go back to the island and camp. But we'll be camping there soon again. But I can't say when. But we will be camping there soon again because the city of Perth is going a bit overboard now. Where they Using local laws in a way bylaws saying that they had not to camp on that island, but we're using federal law because the island is registered as a uh, uh, a sacred site, a woman's birthing ground. So Matacaba is called a Matacaba woman's birthing ground in a way that women have babies on that island for forty for sixty thousand years, and and we it is registered as a sacred site. Mm. And also, it uh, gives us the right to camp there. It's, it's registered as cultural teacher ground. It's a meeting ground. And then also, it's a camping ground.
0: Mm.
3: And so, we have the right to camp there. But the see of Perth, in the place and new local law, saying that you could have a permit to camp there. So, it's a bit of an ongoing battle. And that's how, that's how, that's just the same incident sort of in 2012. And then you think to yourself, it's like, Hold on. If we have the right to camp there, but you guys are raiding us all the time and using a local law to try to come over federal law, then you're breaking the law in a way that you're breaking federal laws and you be arrested by the Australian Federal Police by coming and raid us. And on top, you know, the native title over here in the southwest is this in a way that it's been knocked back in the high court. So, at least we have our native title into July, where we've got to go back to high courts and and listen into what's the the uh, the outcome of the case. Do we keep our native title? Do we lose our native title and, and get one point three billion? But I would rather keep the native title because the land's more important to us than money. And and on top, if if we had to ride the camp on that island and the native title still so existed July, see be perfect and a place to stop raiding, us and taking people's property. You know, that's why the Madagascar refugee was set up. Camp was emergency, it was emergency call out of the way to assist our communities up north that were being closed down and also making a stand down here for our people from up north and for our own people down here as well is because we know ourselves, if they close communities down, a lot of people are going to live homeless and living in poverty with no, the government has no plan to dealing with Places of communities up north and but that's why this now because it's been raided non-stop so they we were nothing but a sore eye to them that's what the uh the, one of the public people said when they rang up um at a radio station there and said look what are you going to do barnett are you going to go down there and see them and, and then it's, it's a sore eye it's an eye-opener when you drive past that island but and then that's why barnett said look Maybe we had to get these guys off the island because it's a sore eye to the public or maybe it could be the fact that we had some big international thing happening here in Western Australia, in Perth, or also we had the Prime Minister over here and they didn't want us to be there. It was making the government look bad in a way. But how how can we help it? We can't help it. We were closing down our communities and our homes and it was going to make us live homeless with that. Just by closing them down with no... Plan of helping the people and putting. Um, if you're going to close communities, you've got to have a backup plan to put them somewhere else. But they didn't care. They just wanted to close 180 communities because they had they were mining. They were one of the land for mining and that. And and a lot of these communities up north have are owners, traditional owners of the land, but also on, on top they have um, they're protecting sacred sites. And some of the sacred sites are built on minerals and gold and and. You know, oil and gas in it and, you know, you push the people out of their community. You know, you're not going to have a big threat from the community people to, to defend their land, their ancestors' land from mining companies. And so, But because we looked like we were a sore eye to the public, they pushed us off that island and kept on raiding us non stop, But we said, we'll be back. We're not going to give up our, our, our rights and walk away without fighting for it and fighting for our ancestors, not just for up north, but also for the south as well. And and they they think they got away at this time, but they don't know that they're going to be back again and, and fighting them again.
0: Hmm. And how can people around Australia help?
3: Well, the rest of Australia helped in a good way with all the marshes they had last year, You know, and the whole world was marching for us last year closures of communities and that, but it slowly died out, in a way. I don't know what happened. People must have thought that the government decided to refund communities again, and because it, it really... We realised the government was really under pressure from the public and around the world of um, international pressures to fund communities again. But I think the government has now started to refund communities again, but the matter about refugee camps didn't to be set up because within that period before they decided to refund communities again, they really closed some of the communities down and left people with nothing. So communities, it's sad that in a way some communities have been closed down and other communities just missed, uh, missed the nail in a way that they still have their communities. Mm. Um, we still need to say, to, that's why Madagate Refugee Camp needs to be set up in a way to let them, the government know, look, you have close communities, and you have decided to refund communities, but you have closed communities, and there are few of our people stranded in a way of living homeless now, and and you want to move us off the line and say, oh, uh, you, you are refunding communities again, but no, no excuse, and so, say to us, oh, it's time for you to move, but... No excuse. No, no excuse. You have closed some of the communities down before you decided to refund communities, and and some of our people are still homeless up that way, and you have no plan or whatsoever to help these, help our people that we have closed these communities down. So it'd be good, in a way, if the country's, to keep still marching and rallying and protesting for communities that it was already being closed down, in a way to keep pressure on the government to say, look, do not um, deny and, and, and make an excuse in a way of saying uh, we are now deciding to refund communities. But before you decide to refund communities and make that decision again, you have closed a few communities down and left a couple of people up north homeless. So it'd be good in a way if the government can decide that the communities that they closed down, they can reopen them again and get our uh, people their homes back that they the ones that they closed down, but not the ones that and also keep the funding going up in these communities up north and down.
0: You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. That was Clinton Pryor from the Matagara Refugee Camp. And if you missed some of today's show, don't forget that our podcast can be downloaded at 3cr.org.au slash earthmatters. Earth Matters would like to thank the dedicated people at the Community Radio Network for all their hard work in getting this program out to you. Earth Matters was produced in the studios at 3CR Radio in Fitzroy, Victoria, on the Kulin Nation. Our contact phone is 03 9419 8377, and our email is earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. That's all for today, but we'll be back again next week. Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia, on the Kulin Nation. For more information and to find out how you can support 3CR, go to www.3cr.org.au.